0: Well, if nothing else, Lewis Hamilton proved one important phrase over this weekend. It's the hope that gets you. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. You had hope. (laughs) Somebody had to. Somebody had to. Welcome to episode 458 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And welcome to our Formula One Hungarian Grand Prix episode for 2023. Like I was looking forward to Hungary. Hungary is one of those rounds where freakish shit tends to happen. You know, like either via rain, either via erratic temperature, extreme tire wear... Like, Hungary has more weird shit go down than, like, a night out in West London. It's crazy. Yet, this time, it was a freaky stuff of a very different kind. And this time, it was, well, the biggest dick flattening Matt Verstappen has given out this season so far. Because that's exactly what the form book suggested, right?
1: Right? Well, you know... Points are clearly awarded on Saturday for the time trials and not for <laughs> the race. And uh, that's what you really need to remember. Oh, 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 wait, I've got that backwards on my sheet. Yeah, um,
0: sorry, that, that only applies yeah. to Jonas Wingergaard winning the Tour de France. That, like, it doesn't apply to any other sport. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> uh, this time all the crazy shit happened at the back of the
0: grid on lap one. <laughs> Get into that later. Well, that's cam buckley i'm sure he's glad he could join us as ever and joining me and i love riverside if he'd pay enough to be able to watch us do this live he looks like every west london florist you've ever seen and we love him dearly for it rj o'connell how's it going sir no
2: i'm just embracing the summer vibes it's summer we've reached half the season we're one week away from former one summer break yeah you look just
1: like a you look like a fantastic final fantasy 7 remake like npc <laughs> selling something in the wall market.
2: And uh, and if you notice, I'm, uh, uh, if you are watching us on Riverside, I'm I'm representing the hottest team in Formula 1 right now, not in the mm. Red Bull division.
0: Yeah, yeah, McLaren. We'll get into a lot about them and the state of the midfield because, hey, it looks like McLaren might have passed the final test as to whether those upgrades have actually worked out or not because uh, they're at it again. Back-to-back podiums. Philando Norris is second place. Uh, second second place in a row oscar piastri in the top 5 as well and unlucky to not get a double podium as well again second week in a row i guess you could say that about mclaren the way the way their current form has been playing out for them so yeah a lot to like about the mclaren setup right now a lot to like about red bull for obvious reasons because uh they just made yet more history we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment and I like we're in a little secret here, M101 listeners. I was very tempted to deliberately not mention Daniel Ricardo for the entire podcast as a as a great bit. I thought it was too risky to try it. So we have to talk about. No, no, no.
1: no I actually, I think that's a great plan. From this point forward, we don't talk about Daniel Ricardo in any way. He no. is merely Alpha Towery Driver Number Three. <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, yes, we have to address the, the, uh, the white and navy blue shaped elephant in the room that Nick the Freeze is sadly no longer in Formula One. And he has been replaced by our favorite honey badger in yours, Daniel Ricciardo. What will ever happen to those episodes of the Grandstand with Will Arnett? <sighs> no, that's what I'm asking. That's what I'm
2: asking. You think Will Arnett and Sean Kelly are going to uh, carry this alone? Who else have we I- got?
1: Uh, If there's any great commentator I would want talking over my motorsport, it's BoJack Horseman.
0: (laughs) Okay. We we can't manage BoJack, but apparently Danil Kvyat is available. No. Moving on. (laughs) All places you can find us. Our website. You can on the website motorsport101.com if you want some bonus thoughts on this episode and a deep dive on one of the subject matters I'll get into a little bit later on in the show. You can probably guess who I'm talking about. Uh, That's on there. By the time this goes out, there'll also be some deep dive thoughts on Iowa. Sorry it's not been out yet. I've been a little bit busy. Apparently, uh, I was needed in a Mahindra go-kart somewhere. Um, How'd that go, by the way? Um, painful is the answer to that question. Um, I, 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 on a side note, not I, I try not to get too too self indulgent on this show with the day job, but like. 45 miles an hour in an electric go-kart is fucking oh, yeah. nuts um, <laughs> <laughs> like let me tell you uh, yeah. like you've never seen a 22 stone man move so fast in his life um, it's, it is wild it was it was a lot of fun um, I absolutely loved it shout out to the team sport guys in acting. it was a lot of fun and um, thanks to Mahindra for inviting us down for it it was me and Hannah from WTF1 down there, and a, a couple of the WTF1 talent guys like Ashley Ellen and Sophia Upton um adam sarnison who you may know is devon butler from the f1 uh, Code Masters video games uh, as well he was down there very very skilled racer i'll have you know like do not just let the acting performances fool you he's brilliant on a sim rig and he is uh, also uh, brilliant um on a cart as well and yeah lucas degrassi was down there and uh <laughs> Man's a dirty Carter. <laughs> he, like, honestly, like, <laughs> nudging and punting people. He was going way too fast during Yellow Flags. Man is dirty. And I'm not, uh, and I'm not a big fan of that. But, uh, yeah, you know, you've got to embrace it where you can. Um, but, yeah, like, what a did, very, a, very fun what time.
2: What did a tarp call him?
0: Uh, the Butcher. Damn,
2: it sounds like he did get hacked <laughs> up a bit. But I'm glad you have fun. You got, you got a, you, nothing else. You got wonderful press photos and experience of a lifetime. Some cool sunglasses.
0: Yeah. Uh, like you can't complain. And yeah, I, I do think I, I'm not the biggest fan of the sunglasses. They do make me look like I'm Dr. Octopus a little bit too much for my liking. But they're not bad. Um and it, I, 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 they gave me a free water bottle and I needed a free water bottle and you know ocean plastic and all that so that was pretty cool. Um but yeah um that was all neat. So thanks to Mahindra for that. Um you can, you can yeah you can check them out. Obviously they're in London for the for the Grom for the E Pre this weekend, the formula E season finale. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. But um that was a thing, so thanks to them. If you want to back us financially on Patreon, you can patreon.com forward slash motorsport one oh one. You can back us at the five dollar level to get early access to all of our episodes you get upgraded to the $10 level to get uh, live access to listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. We've got a couple of guys in the chat like Jason right now, so thanks very much for listening in, buddy. Hope you enjoy the shows. Um, so without and You can ado- also
2: follow us on twitter.com. That's right, twitter.com oh, yes. at motorsport underscore one oh one. That's twitter.com, known by no other names. I'm simply giving <laughs> Elon Musk's brand new uh, money sink, the same sort of respect that Elon Musk would give other people and individuals that change their name for non business related reasons.
0: Of course. I'm sure that brand reboot is going wonderfully for him. Um, you know, his, his virtual marketplace, which is right a... Right up my cease and desist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more or less. Good good luck to him, is what I say. Uh, my, my, I mean, good luck to him. I mean, dying of fire. Now, um, Wo, Woes
1: many, days few, et cetera. Woes
0: many, days few, et cetera. Normally, say for Ferrari, which, again, we'll get to later on in the show. Um, but without further ado, and thanks for reminding me on that, RJ, you can follow us on Twitter at Dre underscore W. BTF1, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBaku917, let's get into the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's the hope that gets you, isn't it? Lewis Hamilton had to wait 33 weekends for his first pole position since Saudi Arabia 2021 only for his lead to last about 350 metres as Verstappen beat him into turn one and didn't look back en route to his biggest win of the season so far, a 33.7-second bludgeoning of the field with Lando Norris a distant second and Sergio Perez back on the podium in third after starting from ninth. Be honest, fellas. How much hope did you have for this one going in? Negative. I not. needed to catch up
2: on my sleep about halfway through the race. I think I made the good choice because I think I'd seen everything that I needed to see a first lap, first corner collision, but not from the two from the parties that we inspected it, but at the very back of the grid, Max for Saffa takes the lead on the start and then pulls away. It is amazing how one of the most exciting pack racers in formula one has turned into one of the most dreadfully boring front runners. Um, Lando Norris and McLaren look good. Oscar Piastri and McLaren look good. Sergio Perez and Red Bull look good. That's about all I need to take away from this.
1: Uh, you know, there's a certain there's a certain inevitability during the first of the last couple races where you think, okay, he's leading. It's not really pulling away. When's the pin going to drop? Oh, it did. Oh, about halfway through the first stint, Max finally opens the taps, and the amount of performance that came pouring out of that car was simply ridiculous.
2: Give us some numbers on that. Because you you shared with us a a pretty neat chart the other day.
1: uh, Yeah, there is a chart of uh, the stints, and the Red Bull just doesn't wear its tires out, like, at all. Nope. So all of Max's lap times look pretty much the same, except for when he wants to try, and then he goes a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. The <laughs> it's, it, it's marked up, this chart, with uh, Verstappen in purple, Norris in uh, orange, and Piastri in lighter orange. Let's just say the purple is basically just dead level, and it's always faster than everything else all of the time. Um, yeah I mean even if Max hadn't gotten frankly the start of a lifetime given he was on the dirty side of the grid and his past few starts have been a little shaky it wouldn't have mattered not a month of Sundays Um, Red Bull brought a major upgrade this weekend because well of course they did you thought that you were out of the woods you thought they were gonna take it easy on us no and I mean, qualifying at the end of the day was just a product of Mercedes nailed the setup for qualifying, which butchered the tires in the race, and Red Bull nailed the setup for the race, which made the car practically undrivable over a lap. Simple yeah. as.
0: Yeah, Red Bull just packed on the understeer. Um, you know, that was always going to make the car inconsistent over a single lap. And it's been a bit of a story of the entire season for Red Bull. They are more than prepared to leave qualifying and ultimate pace on the table if it translates to them having a faster car in the race. It's been the story for them all year. And this was the, the most extreme example of that. Since then, because what's crazy I mean, is that, like, mm. they they clearly geared this car towards the race,
2: and they only lost out on pole position by milliseconds,
0: <laughs> three thousands.
1: Yeah, with, with Max completely botching his final lap, he screwed sector three.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and that was his money sector all weekend long.
1: Yeah, he left at least two tenths on the table through there, and um. Maybe the least impressive thing about Red Bull's win was when they pulled off for Sergio Perez, who eventually finished third, factoring in the built-in 0.35 second of a delay. What is possibly the fastest pit stop in Formula One history?
0: Yeah, a 1.97 second stop. Which, keep in mind, since 2021,
1: there is that built-in... 0.35 0.35 of a delay every single pit stop.
0: Yeah, the rules are they, they, you have a built in 0.2 delay between the car stopping and the mechanics being able to touch the car and they have to add in a 0.15 of a second delay after the green light shows up um, when the service is finished and obviously when the car is, is released. So You can't anticipate it. No, you can't anticipate when the car is going to be done working and despite that they did a 1.97 second stop, there's only been... 27 pit stops in F1 history under two seconds. Red Bull have had 22 of them. Yeah. They're the best pit crew in the business too. It's worth mentioning that. They're the best everything in the business right now. Anna Smith is the best strategist in the sport they got the best pit crew. They have the best driver on the planet right now who just took his 44th career win before his 26th birthday and has won 24 out of the last 34 Grand Prix's. Um, and he just completely flattened the dicks of the entire field by half a minute. I mean, he
1: did one push lap for fastest lap and it clocked in 1.4 seconds clear of the field. He had 33.7 seconds on everybody and he wasn't even pushing. No, nope. this was that easy, is just ludicrous.
2: If the field spread was like it was when his uh when his little league dad was driving, uh, he probably laps the field twice over. Yeah, if, if the
1: cars weren't so tire limited now, they'd be racking up minute wins with abandon. Yeah, I mean, he, he was point three. he was 0.003 for pole away from another grand
0: slam. Yeah, because he led every single lap. Um. Again, and like he—he's just racking these up. It is—it is ridiculous. Again, I've said it before. I said it in my mid-season review. If you wanted to read those on the M101 website, we are quite likely witnessing the greatest individual season in F1 history, because this was also. Two other achievements worth mentioning. This was Verstappen's seventh win in a row. He's only the fifth person in history to win seven straight alongside Alberto Ascari, Michael Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, um, and Nico Rosberg. And now Red Bull just broke the 35-year-long record that McLaren had with the MP4 slash 4. But in the eyes of many, the greatest F1 car ever made to win 12 consecutive races.
1: (sighs) Yeah, Equaled the 11 in the season. And of course they won the last race last year. Yep. Um
0: and
1: and the thing is is that the operation is so bomb proof. I, I think what people one of the legacies of twenty twenty one is that that knockdown dragout title fight with Mercedes honed this team into an operational wrecking
0: machine. Yeah. They they had to be perfect to win that 2021 title in the first place because Lewis Hamilton didn't give him an inch of breathing room down the stretch. That Mercedes was on crack the back end of 2021.
1: (laughs) Yeah, their pit stops are near as enough perfect. Their strategy is near as enough perfect. Honda's reliability has been bomb-proof this year with Red Bull. It's been been perfect. uh, To the point where... You know, we'll have to see what penalties look like down the road. Not that it'll matter much. They could probably take a couple of engines in Spa and still lap the field, given
2: yeah. last year's car performance at Spa. Dude, there. I don't think there's a way. There, there. I don't think there's a way right now that they lose a race in which, in which, either of their cars finish it.
1: It's going to take something mechanical or something that happens that is catastrophic and so late in the race. That they don't have time to recover because if their car is still on track and it is still up to its performance, let's drive through the field again. Yeah. Like um,
0: we've already seen Max do it multiple times over. He like did Miami. Yeah, did it in Miami. Came back from ninth, one by five seconds over his own teammate. Yeah, it's it's, it's there. Verstappen's asked every question asked of him so far this season, and he, he's dropped 21 points the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what I through. said last year. <laughs> I still don't think he's dropped the 39 points, Drake. He's Dear dropped 20. God. He's dropped 21 points the whole season because he's he's been perfect the last three. He, he, like the last three race weekends, he's not dropped a point. Yeah, he's, which he's has like, never
1: happened in the the pit stop point, or the uh, fastest lap point era. Yeah,
0: this, this is this is impervious. This is
1: beatings. <sighs> this is. <sighs> I mean, I mean, we're we're approaching the lesser-known consecutive win record where, of course, in the early 50s, the Indy 500 was part of the title, even though it was not really part of the F1 title. And Ferrari won 14 races across 52 and 53. That will fall at this rate.
0: We've got Belgium and Zandvoort next. You've got literally, like, Max's two home rounds next up.
1: Yeah. Good luck. And what is this car's calling card? sheer punishing arrow efficiency yeah at Belgium your your brother and I were talking this morning and he's talking about throwing down a bet on Max winning by a minute <laughs> and I agree so at good the for front that, but you know, like <laughs> that that depends on if Perez that depends where uh, Perez decides to qualify because mm. hey at least he made
2: q3 this week Right, it's a plus. Like I said, they don't pay points on Saturday every Saturday. Well, unfortunately, what should be
1: a streak of one-twos that is completely unbroken has been no one-twos since Miami because Perez still has his set up his ass in qualifying.
0: Yeah. And this one, this one was his least egregious
1: in about two months. Uh, he was about six-tenths off of Max with Max
0: botching his final lap, so. Yeah, I mean. Pfft. Not great, is it? That's not great, but it's an improvement. At least he got back on the podium, I suppose. It's something, um, you know. But so uh, then
2: transition into our other news story because it is it is related to the other Red Bull owned team, but it, it, in the in the but we all know it's about Red Bull is the big picture here. If you didn't hear, Nick DeVries lost his seat after the most recent Formula One round prior to this one, which I want to say that was. God help me. It was it was the British
1: Grand Prix. It was so must. Nick, Nick
2: DeVries was uh, sacked after the British Grand Prix, just ten races into a season. Uh Daniel Ricardo had a successful tire test for Red Bull and was signed to Alpitari to finish out the rest of the season. He qualified he qualified fifteenth. He made Q2 in his first race back in Alpitari and finished thirteenth and finished ahead of Yuki Sonoda. A uh, couple questions. Should Nick have lost his job after ten races? And what is the future of the Red Bull driver's umbrella? Which I think is the more fascinating question. Because, like I said, this is to paraphrase the words of of Cincinnati Reds manager Brian Price, strictly from a performance standpoint, how does that benefit AlphaTauri? This is not meant to benefit AlphaTauri. This is a move made with Red Bull entirely in mind.
1: It wasn't meant to benefit AlphaTauri, but it already kind of proved out that it did because... Daniel Ricciardo's race was pretty much trash from lap one because he got rear-ended from an out-of-control Guan Yu Zhou who wasted his best ever qualifying performance. Oh, in P5. Oh. P5 and down the drain in about 10 seconds between a technical issue and then this driving into the back of Daniel. Yeah. Daniel was last by lap one. And then he had a, damn decent recovery drive to get it to 13th. All things considered, that's already infinitely better than anything DeVries put out. 100%. Um,
0: <clears throat> my, I, I have a complicated... I've, I've done a lot of back and forth, and a lot of people have asked me about this over the last week and a half or so. Um, <clears throat> and my, my general thoughts are Nick DeVries should never have been hired in the first place. In my opinion, I, I I feel like like it's an I understood the logic behind why they signed him. I get that, you know, the Monza performance probably did stick out in a few people's eyes because I know the freeze has already been talked about in F1C even before that Monza standing drive happened. I get it. I genuinely do. But Liam Lawson was ready for F1 last year. And he was he's now proven even more so in super superformer than this year. he was ready for F1 this year. And he's been their reserve driver now for two years and they've not promoted him, which is very weird for a Red Bull policy to do in the first place. If you were down this bad on Nick freeze this quickly, you probably should never have hired him to begin with. But the benefit for you, if you're Red Bull, is you've already won both championships. It's in the bag. Max Verstappen would be winning the Constructors' Championship by 58 points on his own right now. So,
2: as far yeah, as I'm concerned... You are under
0: no threat
2: of being caught by Aston Martin, McLaren's too far back, Ferrari, lol, Mercedes. No, they try. We're,
1: we're going to talk about some of those teams because this midfield is a a, a, a gumbo. A gumbo yeah. of insanity.
0: It's, um,
1: yeah. it, it's hard to really it's hard to really look at this first time out first effort out and not think pretty much exactly that that deVries was hired off of one performance and the difference is to some of those that we've seen in the past he was having a pretty objectively awful year in his own series by any metric, because Stoffel Van Dorn was beating the brakes off this dude
0: in F.E. Yes. That was probably a, a fairer representation of where Nick DeFries was as a racing driver before he got this gig. More so than the one-off driver in Williams, which, let's just be honest... There was not going to be very many ways Nick DeFries would come out of Monza looking worse, given he was a 24-hour injury replacement standing in the first place. It was playing with house money that weekend, like. Yeah.
1: And and fair enough, he scored the points in a Williams at Monza, which you'd hope he would. Um, but
2: it's still a bad for murder me, car. It, was it is still, still a
1: backmarker car that Yuki Tsunoda was grinding him to dust in, and then Tsunoda no, I'm talking, just got all by the Like, like
2: if we all agree that like Sebastian Vettel and Monza
1: 2008 not, a Monza. Was not, it's not a Monza, R.J. Yeah,
0: yeah it's always got it's always gone well at Monza, always because because Williams over the years have had cars that are very aerodynamically efficient, very good in a straight line. They've always gone well at Monza. Nick DeFreeze had pretty favorable circumstances even for a stand-in.
1: Yeah, uh, his, his measurement was beside him was Nicholas Latifi. Now retired Nicholas Latifi. but good luck to him, And Nicholas Latifi's a good dude, but that's about the best thing I can say about him as a racing driver is that he's a nice dude.
0: <laughs> that, that sounds like code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: but by, by all other metrics, and from the fact that Ricardo, first time of asking, brought home that not very good car in 13th. Not a bad showing from Danny.
0: Not at all. About, I think that was about as much as you could have reasonably asked of him first yeah. time of, of asking off the Especially after given how lap one went.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Like um, this, this was perfect for Daniel Ricardo to shake off whatever the hell the last two years of McLaren were which were outside of one week in Monza, not good. Plus Formula really. 1 the sport as a whole and Alfa gets one of the one of the most marketable drivers back. I mean, we were talking about office. it because we were we were sick of it, but like people do love Daniel Ricciardo. Sometimes people box- love the- Daniel Ricciardo a little bit too much, but people do
0: love him and that's
2: a the personality.
0: For the sport. I I've said it I said it 100 times, he was drive to survive's biggest winner. Hamilton was already uber popular. Verstappen didn't take part for a few seasons, um, and he's built up his own following via sheer brute force winning in a country that loves winners. The Netherlands get behind their own because they haven't got many elite athletes out there. Like and like for me, DTS's biggest winner was probably Daniel Ricciardo because through last season, how how many F1 drivers that aren't even on the grid end up on Stephen Colbert's show?
2: How many drivers that aren't? How many drivers that aren't on the Formula One grid right now get talked up as a main selling point for a new ESPN television series?
0: None. Zero. Before, before he's the only. Look, like Lewis Hamilton is is a little bit too not broadcaster friendly for that sort of thing. Like he's not the sort of personality you would now hook in like, like code. No, 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 I'm saying that. I'm saying that because he's a, he, he's not like <laughs> it does sound a bit like code. I'm not going to lie to you, but. Which like he doesn't strike me as a natural TV presenter. Daniel Ricardo does because he knows how to speak to an audience like that. Like like that's his dynamic because he's he's a wacko. We uh, and people like people like that sort of goofball character, like you know. So it works, and you know, for me, with both titles wrapped up you still have Liam Lawson as your insurance policy. If this yeah, doesn't like, work I out, actually could... didn't mind that they're
2: not throwing Liam Lawson into this situation at the back half of this year because, like, generally speaking... And Lawson got it, too. Yeah. yeah. Lawson what? would not be in a position to succeed, and the best thing for him would be come in for a full season in 2024 with a new card that you hope is much better than this thing. That was another it- thing as
1: well. They also had more upgrades this weekend, which actually I only learned this morning. Only Ricardo had because Sunoda uh, had a problem with his front wing. First practice. Okay. So between the two, it, it wasn't worth the full gap between them in the race. Um, yeah. But then Sunoda was on the soft tire to start the race, which was a death sentence for anyone starting this. If you started this race on the soft,
2: you were screwed. Yeah, I need uh, to see. It not more. a viable race car. I mm. need to see more data points, but I generally like what I saw out of Daniel Ricciardo. I was, I was a bit for the first weekend was... back. Mm. For the first weekend back, it was a good showing. Yeah, I need to see more. I hate that Nick DeVries failed in F1. He just wasn't good enough in this situation. I don't necessarily think that hiring drivers off of one off is a is a flawed p- bit of logic because like. We forget that Michael Schumacher was hired on a, on a one-off basis, and then got a promotion However, seven world titles and 91 wins later. He's one of the greatest drivers, if not the greatest driver of all time. Sometimes you yes, want to take but a RJ,
1: At the same time, Michael Schumacher was whooping ass over on the World Sports Car Championship.
2: I don't dispute Nick that. Victor
1: was decidedly not doing that in his own full-time job, or even in LMP2, where he was good, occasional podium getter.
2: That was about it. He was knocking on the doorstep for a Toyota hypercar drive before this. And and Formula E teams immediately want him back now that he's a free agent.
1: I mean, Andre Lauder is still employed over in Formula E. (laughs) It's, I mean,
2: I get it. And ultimate, (laughs) and like him being in the F1 paddock made him like an even safer pick than Colton Herta. Colton Herta was their original choice that
0: would have been a much bigger risk. It oh, I was say, what, is, what does it say when Nick DeFreeze is already the second option? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it didn't work out. I want AlphaTauri to be better. I'm not expecting it to come just because they dropped Daniel Ricardo in the seat because there's a lot bigger problems that they have. They need to start over in 2024 fresh. But ultimately, I know this about Red Bull. This about out- evaluating Daniel Ricardo versus Sergio Perez in their respective teams, and seeing
1: who can which give
2: the for and better support.
1: Which is going to be a big we'll see, given that Perez still has qualifying woes. And the only thing, to back to our previous talking point, that I think is going to threaten Red Bull's perfect season, is going to be
0: Perez. Your safety it, net's not as safe as we thought it was going to be at the start your of the safety year. safety net hasn't finished second since Miami. Mm-hmm. That was seven weekends ago. That was in May. <sighs> We're in August next week. <sighs> it's not ideal. Um, like It's not a weakness for Red Bull at the moment, given that their car is a complete monster, but it will be when the field inevitably catches up, which it always does in F1. It always will eventually. It's a like law of diminishing returns kind of sport. Um, it's always been that way, and, and it always will be that way. So... When the fuel catches up, you don't want an Aston Martin-like situation where there is a huge gap between your two cars' relative performance. That will it is a be a problem. It's a perfect segue. It is a perfect segue, but I don't want to talk about that just yet. I want yeah. to call it a small audible here because um, I wanted to mention the Juniors broadcast for a second. Um, first and the foremost... The Juniors broadcast was generally
2: fine from what I saw. The graphics were fine. Yeah. I like what Formula One's doing. their like... These adults yeah. need to stop thinking that everything is catered to them.
0: Like, I, 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 on a side note, as a guy that went back and actually re-watched the whole broadcast of um, the juniors just to get a perspective on it, um, shout, shout out to Zach, Scarlett, and Braden. They were fantastic. They were genuinely excellent at what they were doing. They, they like I know they've come from media backgrounds and they've hosted other kids shows for for Sky in the past. But for a first time in a live sports environment, they were incredible. Yeah. Um, confidence, poise, um, charisma, humour, energy—they had everything, and and they were they were fantastic. I literally joked during during the weekend that Zach can take my job on Hot Takes Wednesday tomorrow if he wanted to. <laughs> um like brilliant <laughs> and, and there was a genuinely touching scene where he gets to interview lewis hamilton and he says to his face um we call it the hamilton effect in our household because seeing another black person make it in formula one has inspired people like me to come through and i Tam, near that he started crying because that, that, that was such an important and powerful sequence yeah. um and something to remind people a lot of people at home that yeah, these people do have an impact and these people can inspire the next generation of broadcasters. And speaking from a guy who dreams to be on an F1 broadcast one day, that touched me. It, it, it really did. Dude. I love on the that. other end of the coin. And, <sighs> I, and also before oh, I move oh. into that real quick as well, shout out to Harry Benjamin did a brilliant job looking after him on the commentary broadcast as well. Added just an extra sprinkle of professionalism when he needed to, didn't over didn't overstep his line, let the kids do their thing was outstanding. Didn't genuinely brilliant job and yeah, delighted for him me and my fellow like yeah. Delighted, genuinely delighted for my uh, fellow WTF1 colleague um, because he's doing a great job over there fantastic job over there with the F1 juniors and props to it. Um, on the other side of the coin there was an unfortunate moment with um, Danica Patrick who I thought they were just using her for the uh, the North American rounds for F1 these days, but no, they brought her in for Hungary this weekend. I, uh, I think it's because Natalie Pinkham was um, back here on British soil doing Flackstock, the, um, the music festival in honor of the late TV presenter Caroline Flack. Um, so I think they brought in Danica for this weekend. Um, and there was a very strange quote that Danica came out with when she spoke to Scarlett about potentially getting women into F1. Now shout out to Alanis King who did originally transcript this first and put it out there on the internet. Um, I I went back myself and watched it. It was pretty much perfect word for word. And this is what Danica said, quote, as I've always said in my whole career, it takes a hundred guys to come through and find a good one. And then it takes a hundred girls that takes a long time to find a good one. Right. It's just that the odds are not in favor of there always being one or being many of them. And at the end of the day, I think the nature of the sport is masculine. It's aggressive. You have to, you know, handle the car, not only just the car, because that's a skill. But the mindset that it takes to be really good is something that's not normal in a feminine mind, in a female mind. You have to be like for me. I know if someone tries to bow up or make it difficult on me, I would go into an aggressive kill mode, right? You just want to go after them. And that's not just a natural feminine thought. I say that because I've asked my friends about it and they're like, yeah, that's not how I think. End quote. Now, the first paragraph of that I've got no problem with. It is absolutely true that we need more equal opportunity for all gender identities to get into motorsport, not just men in a male-dominated space. That I have no problem with. Um, The rest of it, is, for me... Well, it would, let's put it this way. I would find it questionable if it was on the main broadcast. The fact she said this to, I think, a 14-year-old girl who had aspirations to get into motorsport and on, on a broadcast that was specifically targeting families and young children. I found... I was aghast when I read that comment.
2: Yeah, it basically just was raised, just like your your daughter needs to be an asshole if she wants to succeed in motorsport,
0: and that's just beyond her capabilities. I I, I just find uh, look, I am not dismissing Danica Patrick's ability as a racing driver. She was the outlier in the in of her time to be able to. Make it to the very highest level of single seat and North American motorsport and in stock cars, obviously in IndyCar and NASCAR. And she was a race winner in IndyCar against a world class field of talent. People that we still wax lyrical about 15 years later, 15 plus years later, compared to when she was in her racing career. Like she made it. And I salute her for being able to do so because she absolutely was an outlier like, and still is to this day in the grand scheme of things. Like, I don't, like, and I, I have to check my privilege here as a cease man talking about women within motorsport. Yeah. But I can't help but get the impression that pulling the ladder up and basically saying, I'm not like most girls, doesn't help anybody. No. no. Who does no, this help?
1: It, it, it really doesn't, because it's just it's discouraging it's discouraging people from even bothering to try because they are a woman for and for no other reason and why you made it you made it to the highest level but no one else should because others don't think like you how does it's, that make sense?
2: Like, I want to challenge, like, you know, women can be ruthless competitors in sport. Of course. We see super it all super, the fucking time. Super, like, like if you watched college basketball, I, University of Iowa's Caitlin Clark built mm. a reputation off of it in, in this year's uh, collegiate tournaments. And then when... Louisiana State University's players turned around and gave it right back to her. All of a sudden, that became a problem. Um, I also want to attack, you know, the notion that you you have to be uh, ruthless. Uh, you have to be ruthless to make it up to the world. You have to be to a, some degree, but you don't have to be, you know, as. I, I, out I don't, don't necessarily. I don't
1: necessarily disagree with that point, you know, because in order to be like. We're currently watching a, a gener. We're watching a generational talent in F1 with a legendary ruthless streak. Yeah,
0: that's true. And that's but before they're...
1: you get into the behavior off the track, which we certainly don't condone here. Mm. Um, with plenty of the shit that Max has said over the years and still does, but anyone could be that much of an
0: asshole. That's not a male-specific way of thinking, and it certainly isn't a woman or feminine perspective like my my anyone can be that competitive my my overall point is is that danica implies that you've got to think like a man to be able to make it in motorsport and that's just inherently not true like there is no evidence anywhere to suggest that having a quote female only mindset means you can't make it in motorsport i don't even know what that is I don't know what a feminine mindset is. It's such a wide spectrum of personality. And if there's one thing the world should be learning by now in the year of our Lord, 2020 and three more, it's that we are very different people. We are very unique people. Everybody thinks a little bit and acts a little bit differently. There is no one specific formula to get to the top in this game. Like I have seen interviews with people like Danica, who had no problem being a stone cold ruthless asshole to get ahead in the game of motorsport, and I've and I've sat down with people like Abby Pullin, who is just humble and nice and gracious and generous and like it doesn't make abby any less of a quality racing driver by that proxy alone we need to stop telling young children you've got to be a certain way to make it because that's just not true it's just not true and it's a dangerous it's a dangerous game when you have that much influence people look up to you you are the one who made it you know, like, like, like you properly you're on that it. you're
1: on that broadcast because you're the one who made it
0: Right like like Danica has got huge pull she's the like she, she's probably the most recognizable woman in motorsport of the last 20 years Oh that's that's beyond question Like yeah. that that is a fact that is not an opinion Right like um, you have clout you have weight when you talk. People listen. We, had a, my, my dear colleague Charlie Williams over at WTF One, who does an exceptional job running the website, wrote an article about Danica's comments. And what I found most disturbing about it was that the comments were all men defending Danica. Like, like Danica's endorsement was like it was like justification for men to be assholes. And I'm just like, this is the danger of her comments in real time. Because people will look at Danica like, well, she made it. That means her opinion's valid. Not necessarily. Just because she made it doesn't mean she's above criticism. And I've not even mentioned her podcast. I've not even mentioned the, quite frankly, dangerous theories she spouted on her social media or on her other platforms and how she represents herself. It's just... It, it, in Over the
1: years. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, looking back, because I mean, I I got to grow up watching, you know, when she came into IndyCar, she was the only marketable thing about IndyCar besides the Indy Five Hundred.
0: The the, the the the, seri- the series there. were making in jokes about it. Look, like, I'm Danica's teammate. Like <laughs> when Dan Weldon won the race,
1: he's like, and then went on to win the championship. Shirts, yeah. Shirts made like hey I by the way I won the race.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Actually won the five hundred was the literal quote, thanks Zoe in the chat for that. Um Danica's teammate. Like she was a huge deal. Like and she still is to a large degree. Like and, and, and I mean go out and tell that to
1: Leah Pruitt and the four and John Force's daughters, Courtney and Brittany. And <laughs> Everyone in the NHRA man, quote unquote, manhandling a 10,000 horsepower car at 300 miles per hour because they have better reaction times. And they have had enormous success in NHRA over in the States. Um, It's just it's just a very dangerous comment that especially on this broadcast, there's a very good reason why you're marketing this to kids, because the kids are the future. You want to inspire Someone, them. What person in racing right now, in 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 the ladders, who's going to end up wherever they end up in the in the various classes in the top formulas? Yeah, they grew up watching racing. A lot of them grew up watching racing. A lot of them love racing because they grew up as a kid watching it. How does it feel? How would it feel for one of the broadcasters to aim directly at you, this being an entire, an entire group of people, and say, oh, well, you don't have the right mindset for this?
2: I, I think it would so get me to tune out. I think it would get me to tune out, and we already have enough of that in motorsport for many, many groups of people where they implicitly, if not explicitly, say, yeah, this isn't for you, kid. Hit the bricks. That is uh, th-
1: that is not the ideal venue to be sharing that shit. Indeed, there is no ideal venue. No. To be discouraging an entire class of people, an entire, an entire generation to go. Yeah,
0: this ain't for you, kids. Yeah. Two points before I move on, real quick. It reminds me of two things, real quick. Number one was a podcast I remember with um, WWE talent, um, Ken Anderson. You may know him as Mr. Kennedy, where he talked about his time. Mr. Anderson. It depends which promotion you call him at. But uh, this was back in 2008, when he talked about his time when he was on Raw and SmackDown. And he said there were like two different mountains trying to climb to the main event scene in each promotion. I'll let you guess which one is which. But on one promotion, one of them was headed by The Undertaker, and he would tried to climb a mountain he he would be the sort of person that would throw you a ladder and help you climb up the other one would throw boulders at you i know which person i would rather want to be if i wanted to inspire anyone to get into anything that i was passionate about in life and the second thing i wanted to say is that i need to make this point because i made it in my drr post about this and i want to repeat it here for anyone that may have missed it Sky have had no problem pushing many great causes to improve the diversity of F1. They absolutely championed Lewis Hamilton when he was one of the most vocal black people for the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, just months after George Floyd had been murdered. Sky unequivocally got behind him. Everyone, every pundit, every team, every broadcaster that was on that network all got behind him in a unified gesture from that on a basic level to even on a more obscure level. like Because if you ever watch Sky Sports F1, they regularly repeat their Force Indie segments where they talk about IndyCar's push to try and increase the diversity in their racing series, which is actually genuinely quite impressive given the fact that IndyCar gets a fraction of what Sky's broadcasts do for their actual races, but they still put the Force indie segment about what they were doing in IndyCar on Sky Sports F1's pre-race shows. So they've had no problem promoting diverse causes on a societal level to improve motorsport and beyond. They picked up the W Series when Channel 4 didn't want to pay for it to be on free-to-air anymore, to at least give it some sort of platform allegedly they've tried to get the broadcasting rights for the f1 academy as well and that's still up in the air now even with today's news that the teams are going to sponsor a car and driver which is okay it's nice but if no one can watch your series live what's the point um i, don't know, I stand kind by the though. bare minimum you know but throw him a bone if you if, if, if you feel like it so all that i say with this is Danica Patrick the person you want on your network whose opinions directly conflict with what you've done as a network to try and improve the state of play in motorsport in 2023?
1: Can I, I will meet that with another point. Can anyone here or otherwise in our community provide a single example of Danica Patrick doing anything? to promote anyone else's careers besides Danica
0: Patrick? I got nothing. Not a one. I said, when my last point on that piece on the, on the DRR was, and I'll give you this one for free because I'm generous like that. Sometimes, sadly, even people on the right side of history can still be shaped by the patriarchy their environment has bred. Women have never, ever had a seat on the table to shape the world of motorsport that we live in today. What she's done on this broadcast will only do more damage to many, many other people's push for change. Think about that one, Sky. Think about what you're doing, because this is dangerous. And I, I, for one, do not endorse it. And I've said that publicly. And if anyone's got a problem with that, they can fight me, because motorsport demands and deserves better, especially for those that aspire to get in it. The last thing we need to be doing as a sport, still a relatively niche one in the grand scheme of things, is throwing boulders down that hill. Speaking of throwing boulders down a hill, Ferrari. Um, let's talk about the state of the midfield, shall we? Yeah. Um, well, which,
1: in this case, the midfield being literally everyone but Red Bull racing.
0: Because, I mean, we said after Britain that Hungary was going to be essentially. Like the final test for McLaren because it was a wildly different circuit compared to Silverstone by going to the Hungaro ring to see Mm -hmm. how McLaren would hold up there. They passed the test with flying cutters. Lando Norris was second again on the road. Had a little bit of pressure late on from Sergio Perez, but he got marbles on his wheels late on. And then just got to trust
2: the
1: McProcess. (laughs) Trust the McProcess of drowning James Key. (laughs) <laughs> having, having having Sauber enact uh, necromancy to bring him back for that effort when he does end up there. And then redesign every
2: aerodynamic
1: surface on the car. I did say um, at the start of the
2: season, they've got 19, 20 races to figure it out. And my goodness, they've figured it out. <laughs> they figured it out because, uh, well,
1: there's a couple other teams here who, if they had it figured out, They've forgotten. Um, Yeah. McLaren have kind of. I I think they are now kind of the definitive second best, certainly over a race distance. Feels that Um, way. Yeah, because I mean, the last two races, I mean, late in Silverstone, we thought, okay, Mercedes bolted on us a fresh, softer set of tires. They're just going to run right through the McLarens. They couldn't do anything about them. No. Uh, And then here. Both McLarens jumped Lewis off the start and then kind of left him behind. It was a lonely day for the only Mercedes up in the fight because George Russell completely got screwed in qualifying mm. coming out of the final
2: corner by
0: traffic. Piss poor etiquette have- on track for that, by the way. Like That one was not on George. That was... That was London I keep, Norris being I, I a keep
2: dick. thinking that, like, when it comes to, like, on-track etiquette, a lot of pundits have gotten so laser-locked on, like, the track limits debate that they've kind of forgotten about, like, hey, there's people dawdling around on a track to try and gain an advantage and, like, ruining other people's time attacks in the process.
1: Not the last Just example the of Lando being a dick this weekend. We'll get to him in a little bit. Um uh, Russell, good recovery drive too. What was it was a P six, P six off the Charles Leclerc
0: got a uh, got a five second time penalty for speeding oh, in the Ferrari. Um, did I did I mention? Did anyone
2: catch that uh, Charles Leclerc's radio hasn't been working right for several weeks? Charles Leclerc, <laughs> I, uh, bless his heart, he's trying.
1: He's I, doing I, his best. He oh. had a triple whammy this weekend. Where yes, you heard RJ right. His radio hasn't been working properly for, in his own words, three to four races.
0: I I was reading that in the transcripts, was obviously, you know, for those who don't know, WTF1 is also under the race's umbrella, so I get all of their audio transcripts because I'm part of their news desk. So I get everything, and I read that transcript, and I balked. I was like, you fucking... Can, can Ferrari. I, my, my, my first thought immediately was Cam needs to see this um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's never ever a good thing in our discord when someone <laughs> drops a, a line like Cam and tags me it's just like alright this is either going to be really funny or really fucking stupid I put in it this in case my, it was yeah, both
0: I put it in my DR post and I was like holy shit Ferrari um, <laughs>
1: um
2: how you're Ferrari are you're we just sure they're still 20- Ferrari are you you just won the twenty four hours of Lama as a as a brand? You are the franchise of all franchises when it comes to Formula One. How do you not have a radio that works three? You are one of the premier supercar manufacturers in the world right now. How do you? They can't engineer
1: a working radio in a racing car.
0: And, and his water bottle wasn't working because the tube was too short. And surprise what? they've they've compromised. they've compromised their
2: driver's strategy. Ferrari has come back to being everybody's favorite weekly Formula One comedy. Gone back. They've been. I mean, last year, I didn't
1: think you could get any more Ferrari than this weekend last year, where they bolted on in defiance of God and man and all data (laughs) from every other team that said the hard tire were awful in 2022. They bolted both of their cars onto the hard tire and promptly imploded. Well, this year takes the cake because in addition to the radio not working, in addition to the awful strategy of forcing Stine- signs to stay behind Charles, despite being on the softer tire, Charles Leclerc also had a 9.4 second pit stop. And then he got a speeding penalty on his next pit stop
0: and still beat signs on the road.
1: Oh, they're terrible. And, and, and the thing is right now, Ferrari are so just bleh,
0: mid. Which, which is amazing because two rounds ago, <laughs> they were looking at second and fourth in Austria and then Sainz got hit with the time penalties.
1: And then, Dre, they got a 1-2 in Silverstone. 1-2 points.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. For a total yeah. of three. Yeah, because <laughs> they finished ninth and 10th.
1: And they then were, they barely scraped points here. McLaren is steamrolling towards them in the constructors all they're of a cooking.
0: sudden. They're like, The last two weekends, McLaren, who were, have scored 58 points, they've tripled their points haul in the space of the last two weekends. They, they, had, they had 29 going into Silverstone. They now have tripled their points haul because they've scored 59 points in the last two weekends. Aston Martin, who are currently third in the championship, have scored nine in the last two weekends. Wow. They were ninth and tenth this weekend in a round that Fernando Alonso said back in May. We think we can win in Hungary. Yeah, uh,
2: and a- at a track that should suit their passing. car, uh, at, a- at a track that Fernando Alonso generally
1: likes. Yeah, I mean, we saw him fight to the uh, fight to the bl- the bitter end in 2021 to try and protect Ocon's eventual win.
2: It's um, been 20 years
1: since his first
2: win at the Hungaroring. 20. But Aston just They just look, bullshit. Just look, lost. They, look a little, they look a little lost right now I, Like I think Ferrari Stands a good chance At catching and passing them in the constructors table But then I think If things go the way they are I don't think McLaren's they do gonna catch them. I think McLaren's going to pass I don't them
1: think both I, I think McLaren is going to pass them both I think Ferrari could Genuinely be in danger of falling to fifth In the constructors
0: <sighs> there's, there's a chance I looked at I looked at the math. Like I said, they outscored Aston Martin by forty nine. This you know, like 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 the last two weekends. I think they're only eighty behind Ferrari in the overall standings. At this rate, they passed them by Monza. <sighs>
1: Like, well, that would go down like a lead balloon with a Tifosi
0: And I and I, I, get me wrong. I feel horrible for Fred Vassa I like Fred Vassa a lot. He's inherited yeah. some dog shit. Yeah, he's, like,
1: th- he's, he, this team is still built on the bones of the Bonato regime.
0: And half car. his regime's out the door at the end of the year because David Sanchez is going back to McLaren. <laughs> and, yeah, they, and Laura Meckes not... is going to Alfatari next year. Their sporting director. Yeah, they, they're Bonato guys.
1: Yeah, the, this is the, the flailing corpse of what Ferrari cooked up through the second half of 2022, and it's an awful car. It doesn't do anything well. Um, the Aston Martin, it seems like everyone has sort of caught up to them in low to medium speed performance, mm. and... They're still deficient in the straight line. They're still deficient in the high speed stuff. They're still done.
0: De- the, the overall impression, I I'm completely agree with you. So i to just cut your yeah. camera real quick. But yeah. I, I got the overall vibe. I completely agree. Aston Martin seems lost. And I say this because Fernando Alonso tried to imply that the tires were the reason, the new construction of Pirelli tile was the reason why Aston Martin lost out. And they cited Red Bull as an example. Everybody else in the paddock called bullshit. Even Aston Martin Aston themselves. Martin i like, no, we don't think it's that. Um.
1: Uh, I, uh, yeah, because the tires, I mean, this is not the 2013 tire construction change. That's, this my, is a man. Relatively minor that's one. my
2: man sowing discontent. He's still got it. RJ, <laughs> get your mans. And, get your
0: mans.
1: <sighs> get your mans and disappear. Um, wow. It's like, with Aston Martin, it feels like they had their early season shine. And in and they've been unable to build upon it since their upgrade package in Canada. They've just kind of been spinning their wheels, because ah, now McLaren are definitively better in medium to high speed and still not great in low speed, but good enough everywhere else to compensate. Aston are no longer; they no longer have the X factor to compensate for their deficiencies. Um, who else? Alpine? Oh, no. hey, God! I, I Alpine, just want. Reed. I
2: want. I want to. I want to just cover Alpine with, with a quick line from the from the cover of the most recent issue of Francis Otto Ebdo. Alpine. Depression. Alpine. Depression. The thousandth restructuring, lifeless performances, eternal bad
0: luck. And this one wasn't even you, their fault. <laughs> uh,
1: well, unfortunately two things about Alpine. Their car is good, but it is not great.
0: Nope, it's mid. It's a definition it, it, of mid. It is,
1: an, it is an upper mid car. So what's come out in the last week or so, because the FIA is looking at adjusting the power unit rules a little bit, they're up to 33 horsepower off the field. Damn, it's really yeah. feeling like Which 2008. Is just, it, it, that is insurmountable, because you're going to okay. compensate by, with, for that by cutting off some downforce. You might be able to deal with that over a couple of laps, but that's going to kill your tires and it just cascades from there. That's to say nothing of the fact that Pierre Gasly had the biggest engine failure you've ever fucking seen back in Baku.
0: New Pope just dropped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and both of their cars got, uh, Joe <laughs> Guan Yu got a three for one at turn one. He bounced <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo. Into both Alpines. Both Alpines are out. Ricardo's at the back of the field and he copped himself a five second time penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a Tri- ten second?
0: Five seconds. Five Tri-
1: seconds. I thought I, honestly that could have been ten. I wouldn't have batted an eye with
0: it. Five seconds and the inevitable Halo voice down sort of triple kill. Um, like it was it was it was I feel sorry for Joe because that what it wasn't totally on him. If he got a normal start, he probably doesn't drive into the back of Daniel Ricciardo He probably just panicked at the fact that his car was so slow getting off the line due to a, a, a system failure that put his engine in a fail-safe mode. Hence why it barely got wow. off the line. But unfortunately, he nudged Ricciardo and then Ricciardo went into the side of both Alpines Alpine have scored zero points in the last two race weekends. Had two and
1: double retirements in a row.
0: Yeah, like two double retirements in a row and three of the four retirements were not their fault. <laughs> and this while
1: McLaren is just consuming the points. They're yeah. gone. Like M- McLaren has bolted. Alpine are finished in that fight for fit.
0: They've had more team reshuffles than they've had podium finishes this season. Because Lauren, was, you even mentioned it. Lauren Rossi is gone. He's been yeah, moved. The CEO's gone. He's, he's, he's been moved from from being CEO to um, now he's actually going to be now in charge of their special projects, and that's put even more pressure on Otmar Snaff now to perform. Who, even though he's only thirty races into a one hundred race plan, that you know the the CEO they've just gotten rid of and moved along um, was responsible for in the first place.
1: Since Esteban Ocon's, certainly on merit, was a quick car around Monaco, podium in Monaco, they've scored a 10th, an 8th, an 8th, a 10th, and nothing otherwise. So I make that 10 points. 10 points since the end of May.
0: Even Ferrari scored more than them since then. In the last two weekends, <laughs> they've had 13. Oh, no. You're, You'd you're, hope you're...
2: given it's Ferrari. Oh no! You you uh, you you shot under. It's it's twelve. Okay. I mean, it's I, was gonna, I, was, I was gonna say
0: stink. you look, you look at the standings. McLaren, like remember McLaren are, and obviously they're on the rampage. Ferrari are eighty points away. Aston Martin are ninety seven points away, and Mercedes are one hundred and thirty six. I don't think they get to Mercedes. I think that's a bit too big of an ask. But I think Ferrari and Aston Martin at this pace is very catchable.
1: Yeah. I, I would say if they can keep doing this, because Piastri's going to get a podium at some point. It's coming.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, it's, it's on Without the way. Without a
1: doubt. Um, Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> Forget, <laughs> Forget it. about it. Um, twice the points of the field on current running. Um, yeah, Mercedes now has about 40 points to everyone. Else. And the thing is, Mercedes are scoring enough that even if McLaren leap them, they can tank enough of the damage for the rest of the season
0: yeah it, it, uh, they would have to keep taking they would have to take 11 or 12 points out of mercedes every weekend for the rest of the year just to make it close i yeah. think mercedes is too big of an ask yeah i think um, mercedes's
1: floor is just high enough that they don't have to worry um aston martin are now scraping points now, if you look at Lance Stroll's results thus far, you'd think the car's oh. form was the same the whole time.
0: Oh. 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 Uh,
1: the... But, but Alonso's disappeared in the last two races. He's um, crated still...
0: since Canada. Fifth, seventh, and ninth since Canada.
1: <laughs> and still the best Aston each time. It's just there hasn't been the pace in the car. No. You would have expected that at Austria. You would have expected that at, at Silverstone. You wouldn't expect that here. Um, And then Ferrari, I mean, Ferrari, again, they're scraping points on a weekly
2: basis right now. Well, there's less you could do at this stage, but if you're having trouble, uh, midfield F1 teams, you do still have 11 races to figure it out, because we cleared half of the Formula One season, and now the second half is about to begin with one race, and then we're going to a long break, and then the second half was really going to feel like it's going to begin, Belgian Grand Prix is next, I hope, for a few things. I hope, one, this is not the, Bel- the last Belgian Grand Prix we'll see for a while. Two, obviously, hope everybody gets the flag safely. Mm-hmm. Three, hopefully race direction has learned from some very, very tough lessons that we've had about running races in the rain, not running races in the rain, etc. etc.
0: Rain expected Friday and Saturday, by the way. <laughs>
1: not heavy enough to be like it was two years ago. Yeah, as predicted thus far. Um, and yeah, if you're below Alpine, well, if you're Williams right now, you feel great. If you're Haas, you wonder, what the fuck is a race pace? <laughs> if you're Alfa Romeo, you're just wondering Why? <laughs> why? Oh, why? They had their best qualifying results of the year, and then it all went to shit within seconds. Because also Bottas got screwed over by the incident. He was directly as well. behind
0: Joe when his car conked out, so Bottas lost what lost five places off the first corner. Oh, uh, poor guy! I can't get. I also right.
2: mention that Belgium is a sprint weekend.
0: It is a sprint. Why are we doing a sprint weekend in Belgium?
2: Why? We need to give Max more points. He has to wrap the title
1: up even earlier. Plus, it, when, it, when Maximum
2: I think points it's... at both his home races.
1: Because when I Christ. think of
0: a sprint race, I think of a, a lap where it's 1 minute 30 plus around it for a sprint. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it is a sprint weekend for the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. Um, the last race before the summer break. Um, we're at the halfway mark. Let's see how much of a dick flattening Verstappen gives us this time round. Because if you thought Hungary was bad, this is a track that actually suits the Red Bull. <laughs>
2: Good luck. Uh, 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 Maybe even
0: Perez can qualify. it. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, okay,
1: let's not get hasty.
0: Right, so uh, that's this weekend. We'll be back next week for more on that. We'll uh, Next episode, we'll be talking a little about IndyCar and its doubleheader at Iowa. And uh, guess who won those two races? Have a guess. Stingray Robb. Get out. Um, (laughs) So so that'll be coming up on the next episode. We're going to be recording that straight after this one. So I hope you guys can stick around for that. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all.
1: fucking races in a row God
0: May your woes be many Ferrari and your days few